Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. I'm Dale Spangler, and this week our guest is Wes Orloff. Moto America is an official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. After record attendance and extremely close racing at Road Atlanta, the Moto America Series heads to picturesque Virginia International Raceway May 20th through the 22nd. See, hear, and feel 190 mile per hour superbikes and five other classes as racers take on one of America's best road courses. Virginia International Raceway will also be the premiere of the 2022 Women of the Royal Enfield Build Train Race Championship. Get your tickets in a camping spot along with info and a complete schedule at motoamerica.com forward slash tickets. And be sure to follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for updates. This week's race recap is round 17, the final round of AMA Supercross at Salt Lake City, Utah. And really somewhat anticlimactic because Eli Tomac did win the title a week ago, but uh, still the race went on. And uh, Jason Anderson continued his winning ways and won seven events this year, matching Tomac, coming in second for the season. But uh, honestly, for me, the takeaway, the focus is on star racing Yamaha. They not only won the 250 East-West Shootout, but also the 250 West Championship. And lastly, they signed Eli Tomac to a contract extension for 2023. So I thought that was big news. Yeah, it's interesting. uh, Eli Tomac's announcement that he re-signed with Yamaha for 2023. But the interesting news there is it said Supercross, but nothing else. So we're not sure if that's going to be a Supercross-only contract for 2023, but we'll have to stay tuned Next will be the Outdoor Nationals and then uh, on to Supercross again in 2023. But in other news to me, Malcolm Stewart locks down third place in the championship ahead of Justin Barsha and Marvin Muskan. Barsha won the, won the battle, beating Malcolm Stewart for third place on the podium, but ended up being docked 10 points after running into Malcolm Stewart in the main event, gets docked 10 points and goes from potentially third to fifth place in the points. So, Pretty big shakeup there in the end at the final round. Definitely made for some interesting action. In that 250 class, though, Christian Craig, I think, wrote a safe event, finishing P8 on the night, where Nate Thrasher, that young kid, just dominated. He looked strong in practice and qualifying and went on to win the main event. And uh, I think that's just kind of a, what we're going to see from him in the future from Star Racing Yamaha as he goes outdoors and into the Supercross season next year. Where did this Nate Thrasher come from? Like he was just on a different level on Saturday night. Just seemed like you could tell in his body language on the bike, he just looked like he was determined to do whatever it took to take that win. He does so. Definitely helped his teammate out, Christian Craig. Of course, Christian Craig did everything he needed to do to wrap up that Western title. Big congrats to him. 30 years old, wins his first 250 Supercross title. 
It'll be interesting to see what happens with him next year as he moves into the 450 class full-time. Looks like he'll be lining up alongside Malcolm Stewart on the uh, factory Husqvarna team. This week's industry spotlight focuses on the recent announcement by American Retrocross that it will hold the second annual motocross revival event on Sunday, May 15th at Glen Helen Raceway in San Bernardino, California. Join industry legends Brock Glover, Ricky Johnson, Grant Langston, Gary Jones, Jimmy Holly, and others as they celebrate off-road motorcycling and the 50th anniversary of Gary Jones' 1972 AMA National Motocross Championship. There will be an autograph session, a bike show, motorcycle trials demonstration with Hollywood stuntwoman Debbie Evans, and a silent auction to benefit the Kirk Caselli Foundation and its mission to protect and support off-road riders. For more information about the second annual motocross revival, visit the Glen Helen Raceway website at glenhelen.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We'd like to welcome to Pit Pass Moto Wes Orloff, who is a staff engineer at Harley-Davidson and also the crew chief for the factory Harley-Davidson Screaming Eagle factory team, and that's for the uh, King of the Baggers series. And Wes, we want to welcome you to the show, but uh, congrats on the 2021 King of the Baggers championship. How's this season looking for you so far? Oh, hey, thanks a lot, Dave. It was an amazing season last year. Last year was only three races but we had some big challenges. Uh, we brought a new rider in Travis Wyman onto the team midway through the season. After Road America, which we were lucky enough to finish 1-2 at, Kyle broke his elbow. So we were really doubtful, you know, looking to get that championship going into Laguna Seca. It was uh, only a couple months after uh, Kyle's elbow injury. And as you know, you really need a good working elbow to ride one of these things. So we couldn't have asked for a, a better season and better result. Yeah, and that's a big, heavy bike to muscle around the track. you got to have all limbs working, no question. Speaking of no question, it's definitely a full-on effort by Harley. It's really impressive. I think I counted 20 team members on the team photo. What are some of the challenges for you as you rolled into the new year? What are some of the challenges you guys faced? I know Daytona was a little rough, but, you know, you guys overcame and did pretty good in Atlanta. Well, we knew, uh, you know, our main competitors in Indian, they were going to uh, do their homework. We knew Daytona was going to be a big challenge with a uh, pushrod air-cooled motor making as much power as we were doing. So a lot of uh, development work went on during the uh, the off-season to try to prepare for Daytona. You know, honestly, we you know missed the mark a little bit at Daytona, but the, the team rebounded fantastically for Road Atlanta. We got a lot of help from our product development center as far as uh, improving you know the weaknesses that we saw at Daytona. And I think we're in a pretty good spot at the moment. So looking forward to the rest of the season. So Wes, uh, you know, most of us take 
kind of our own unique path to motorcycling. For example, you know, like for Dave and I, you know, we were racing at a pretty young age, racing motocross. Whereas it seems like you took a little bit of a different route, maybe starting a little later in life. How did you get your start in motorcycling and how did you end up where you're at today at Harley Davidson? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a long story, but it all started out at uh, Wiseco. Kind of as a teenager, I was really into uh, cars more than anything else. I got the opportunity to uh, work summers and holidays at Wiseco uh, while I was going to college. You know, Tommy Kipp and his dad, Tom Kipp Sr., were running a superbike effort out of Wiseco. And as I got exposure to that, I just kind of forgot all about cars. And it was, you know, bikes from that point out. I mean, the, you know, we're talking titanium rods and titanium valves and all this exotica that you just didn't see in, you know, automobiles at the time. So, and as an engineering student, that was the coolest stuff you could, you could deal with back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. So that kind of determined my path where I really wanted to work in the uh, power sports industry. After college, I got the, uh, I went to Cummins actually and worked on diesel engines for a few years and then got the opportunity to uh, work as an application engineer for Kawasaki for their uh, jet ski products. Then a position came up at Harley. That was 22 years ago now. So I've been with Harley Davidson for 22 years. My childhood hero, uh, Tommy, he kind of inspired me to try road racing. So I've been I've been doing that for well over 20 years as an amateur. I currently own about 30 motorcycles. So wife's not super happy, but uh, but I am. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, you can never have enough, right? You got there's got to be a bike for every situation, so can't never can have too many. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I try to convince her. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about your job at, at Harley, because I understand like one of your recent, more recent roles was you helped develop the Pan America ADV machine, and as a result, I think you got to go to some pretty exotic locations as part of that launch. Yeah, we were um, part of the team that worked on the. Uh, Pan America, the internal project name was Lamada there. That was a super interesting project. I'd say that's probably highlighted my career at Harley Davidson. You kind of hear Harley Davidson engineering, you kind of snicker a little bit just because, you know, the bikes have the reputation of not really having changed much since the 30s, so on and so forth. So from an engineering perspective, you know, this Pan America product was an opportunity to, you know, flex the muscles that we had at the product development center. We have some really smart engineers. We had a stage now to kind of demonstrate what Harley Davidson was capable of. So from the onset, that was a super exciting project. We also knew we had to be really, really good. Companies that are established in the adventure touring uh, segment have outstanding product, BMW, KTM, Ducati. So we knew we had to go in there with a with a full effort and get it right the first time. So there was a lot of pressure to deliver on that with that Pan America product. Don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but I think we were able to go toe-to-toe with them when we did introduce that bike. And it's just been a phenomenal bike. Yeah, I did have a, a couple of really cool opportunities you know, in support of, uh, of the release of that product. So a lot of fun. Definitely a highlight. I understand that's even you on the bike and some of the promotional videos on the website and such. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I got the uh, opportunity to go over to uh, Africa. We um, did some video and uh, photographic work over in Africa. Our CEO, Jochen Zies, has a uh, nature preserve over there of about 60,000 acres. Our calibration group, we we tend to, you know, see bikes early and use prototypes and pretty familiar with the bikes and how they run and kind of the the tricks of uh, making them work when they're in that early prototype stage. And the bikes that were sent over to Africa were early prototypes. They're kind of dressed up to look like, you know, production bikes for the uh, the video work. So they they were asking our group if there was anyone that, you know, could support that. And I, I jumped at the chance to go to Africa. It was just amazing, amazing people over there. As you can imagine, it was just so cool to to be able to ride on a nature preserve 
I mean, we had like drones following us. They, they asked me if I wanted to actually do some riding. And I, I jumped at that chance too. Probably my best memory was they told me to go chase down a zebra herd. So I'm right in the middle of all these zebras riding the, you know, brand new Pan America in Africa. It, it, it was just a, just a super fun way to kind of close out that project. How surreal is that? I mean, just doing what you love for one, but being in a foreign country and chasing a herd of, of animals through the, through the Serengeti, as they say, that's just bizarre. Yeah, it was crazy. Although we were on the, uh, the other end of the chase at one time too. We, um, you know, the photographers like to do a lot of uh, shooting, you know, as the sun is setting, they kind of call it the golden hour and so on and so forth. But that also happens to coincide when a lot of the predators actually come out to start hunting for the night and that kind of stuff. So we were we were out late shooting and sun was beginning to go down and uh, I was riding the bike at the time. We were working out of an airplane hangar. So we started heading back to the, the hangar, me on the bike and then the, the crew behind us, including our CEO in a Jeep just bombing down this old Jeep path. And I see some hyenas up ahead of us and they're pretty harmless as far as, you know, animals go in Africa, get closer and closer. And all of a sudden I realize they're not hyenas, they're lion cubs. And I just like, just haul on the brakes and get stopped about 20 feet away. And they all go shooting off. And then I look to my right and they're two of the mother lions are just staring at me and they're, they're not happy at all. <laughs> the one just starts charging at me. I'm just kind of sitting there with my hand on the clutch and just <laughs> I go, if she gets within 20 feet of me, I'm just, I'm just taken off. Cause I, I don't know exactly what to do here, but, and I was just getting ready to release the clutch and all of a sudden the Jeep with my CEO hanging out the window screaming, you know, they had their blare on the horns and they kind of chased the line around to the other side of me. They're waving and screaming. So I just nail it <laughs> and I'm doing like 80 miles an hour down this Jeep road for about two miles and uh, finally stop and, look around. There's no lion chasing me. There's no Jeep. There's, I'm just kind of <laughs> out there in the dark. It was super surreal. Then the Jeep comes up and everyone's kind of had a good laugh about it. But uh, it was definitely a, a once in a lifetime experience. And you know, I, I've been racing for over 20 years and uh, that adrenaline high of getting chased by a lion lasted like six hours. It was, <laughs> it was just crazy. <laughs> That's definitely my once in a lifetime story of an experience over there. Yeah, for sure. And that's when you truly find out how fast you can you can actually go. I probably wouldn't have stopped till I hit the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was I was headed that direction for sure. It's kind of strange over in Africa, you realize you're not number one on the, the food chain anymore. Just amazing experience, that's for sure. So another interesting thing about you, Wes, is that not only did you and your wife both ride and race, you both graduated from Ohio State University with an engineering degree. And then you both were hired by Harley Davidson. I mean, how is that even possible? It seems like it's just so many uh, circumstances that just happen to align. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. She was uh, she went to Ohio State. We overlapped by about a year, and not only that, but we ended up only living about five miles apart. Never met each other, you know, growing up. Uh, we were in different school districts, but uh, yeah, I think there was definitely some fate involved there. Having a spouse that's into motorcycles and racing and stuff—that's uh, that's an awesome thing. But uh, she's also a big enabler which uh, is why we have 30 motorcycles in the garage, probably. <laughs> Speaking of all, all these different events at, that you've been able to do, race and attend, things like Pikes Peak Race, and then events like Mama Tried, going to Africa as a result of motorcycles. Are there, are there a few of these you know, type of events and places you've got to travel that really stand out to you in all, all your years in, in power sports? The Pikes Peak effort was definitely a privateer effort that uh, we out and, and did. As you know, they no longer run motorcycles at Pikes Peak. 
So that was that was a very special event. We had our whole family help us out with that too. So that one really stands out as uh, is one of the most personally rewarding ones as far as that's concerned. I mean, motorcycling has you know brought so much to our family. Now we we have our kids; they're they're both riding KLX 110s and TTRs, that kind of stuff. So it's just awesome to see them get enjoyment out of the same thing that we do, and hopefully they'll uh, continue to uh, ride and enjoy it as well. Absolutely, keeping in the family, and uh, and honestly, some of my most enjoyable memories are going riding with the with the family. I gotta ask you: there's a there's an event in Mid Ohio every year called the Vintage Motorcycle Days, and I have to ask you about this because this was I remember the first time around. It was such an amazing story, and then you guys had a follow up to it. But uh, the Team Mamba, and if I could kind of set this up for you, the the Mid Ohio Motor Build attempt, where you guys went down to Mid Ohio, purchased a motorcycle on site and built it for the racing that weekend, which was gives you, what, I think 48 hours to purchase and build the bike. That is that is one of the most cool stories I've ever read in my life. What was that like going through besides not sleeping for, uh, I think, 72 or plus hours? Yeah, I think everyone on the team would say, you know, it was exhausting is the, is the first thing. But uh, we just have an incredible motorcycle community up here in Milwaukee. Had a lot of friends that were into road racing and supermoto and vintage road racing and stuff like that. You know, before we had kids and stuff, one of our big highlights of the summer was I was going to the Mid-Ohio Vintage event and swap meet. Yeah, one year we we were kicking around again. I wonder if you could, you know, actually build a bike and race it, you know, just from nothing but swap meet parts. So the following year, we put a little organization around it. And uh, Mitch Bame from Motorcyclist Magazine kind of signed on to to do a story about it. And uh, it was uh, just exhausting. I mean, it was... I think we only got maybe five or six hours of sleep, you know, for the, the whole three day weekend. But we we did get a bike, a KZ five fifty LTD, and convert it into a middleweight super bike. And I think Mitch finished seventh or eighth with it. And uh, it wasn't just putting new tires on, running the thing. I mean, we converted the forks, we put seventeen inch wheels on it, you know, made up spacers for the all these things that take usually take months and even years to to put together. You know, we were able to do that in in a couple of days and. Um, yeah, the story keeps popping up. It's kind of funny. It was in the AMA magazine again last month, so it, it seems to have resonated with people. So that's that's always pretty cool to see. No doubt. That's a man who's living the sport at every level, and uh, we love to hear these stories. These are awesome. What we want to do, Wes, is take these last few moments, and if there's anybody that you want to give a shout-out to in uh, maybe social media where they can find you and follow up on you, but uh, now would be the time to do that. Yeah, thanks. We are... Um, yeah, we're on Facebook, uh, WFORacingOnline.com. Yeah, I just want to give a, a huge shout out to, uh, you know, the Screaming Eagle, King of the Bagger team. I mean, we've these guys have not slept since Daytona trying to improve that bike. And, you know, it's beginning to pay off. You know, we're seeing, we're getting wins and podiums and really excited for the rest of the season. Uh, it's been awesome working with Travis. You know, Kyle's a, a known quantity as well. So really looking forward to the rest of the season on the, uh, on the Screaming Eagle uh road glides i think we're gonna do well and do well you will and we look forward to it and thanks again for spending time with us and come back anytime we can definitely hear some more stories (laughs) hey awesome dave thank you very much i appreciate it Thanks again to our guests for being with us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it. 
Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog and our brand new store where you can get your Pit Pass swag. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dale Spangler. And I'm Dave Selecki. See you next week on Pit Pass Moto. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers. Every episode of Double Down with Breslow is packed with insider tips, deeply skilled analysis, and in-depth discussions. Don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting. Listen to Double Down with Breslow on the Evergreen Podcast Network or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Double Down with Breslow, the business of sports betting podcast.